Hey there, all you demons. Time for another episode of the show. This is going to be the final episode of the coverage that Dr. Ange and I did about Night Force. We're going to be covering the last two issues in the series, Volume 1, that is. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a little bit of a wrap-up as well and talk about maybe some other things we're going to do down the road. So definitely tune in and come right back after a quick break. Your involvement in the Golden Dawn? Oh, my involvement in the Golden Dawn is in so much as I was pretty... I was very interested, actually, in, in Eastern and Western mysticism. And I spent time reading and researching when I was younger. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. That, 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 that's it. There were some, there were some very eminent characters in The Golden Dawn, and uh, I found it very interesting to see the history of those that had been in it and this sort of esoteric movement, and also sort of what went on, uh, the offshoots of it, uh, of that sort of love of all things mystical and magical, all things bright and beautiful, really. Um, do you think that's why people did that thing when they played Stairway to Heaven backwards and said that you were talking about Satan? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go straight back to the Beatles here, because there was, there was a time when somebody wrote a thesis about Paul McCartney being dead, and Paul is dead, and if you played back the records, I'm very serious here, it's, it's crazy, but if you played back the records, there was something which said Paul is dead. And so then they started to play back all manner of records, and of course we were going to be main candidates for it. And, um, and somebody, somebody said, oh, it says my sweet Satan in it, and I thought, oh. Gosh, it's hard enough writing the music one way around, rather than that way. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And this is our continuing coverage, but actually the final episode of covering Night Force. So that means I am here with Dr. Ange. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Uh, this is an interesting ending is probably the best that I can say about it. And I can't wait for us to, you know, sort of go through it. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, had a lot of fun here with this one going along. You know, I think we both agree the first arc was a, a real gem, you know, a real, really, really good uh, material, really strong material. And then, you know, we had that little crazy uh, three issue story with that alien creature, whatever it was, uh, that was, you know, a little different, a little bit offbeat, but I think that was pretty good too. And then now we got these last four issues that kind of steered us towards the end here. But, you know, as we just uh, talked for a second here off mic, it's, it, it was tough for Marv because, you know, his book basically got canceled and he had to cram a lot of stuff into just these last couple issues here. And it wasn't, uh, obviously the best scenario, right? Yeah. You know, I think like I took notes because I knew that we were going to talk about this and I, and I reread these issues a couple of times and I'm like, I'm not even sure if I know exactly what's going on. And so I just, I think that we're probably seeing part of a larger story that he was hoping to get done. Yeah. I mean, it, that would be really tough. If you had only two issues to tell three, four five more issues worth of material, like what do you cut? Yeah. You know, it's like, exactly. Uh, so yeah, this was, this was tough. So God bless Marv. <laughs> But uh, all right, well, we can uh, jump right into it here. This is uh, Night Force 13. It's a uh, cover dated August 1983. And of course, it's a cover by Gene Colan. But this time, interestingly enough, 
it's Joe Rubenstein uh, inks on this one. A little different there, switching it up, not Bob Smith. So what do you think of this cover? You, you know, it certainly grabs the eye, right? It is the Baron engulfed in flames, you know, shackled to a giant swastika with some trade dress that says the origin of the Baron. So, like, if you've been reading Night Force, you're like, I can't wait to read this issue. That's crazy. Why is there a swastika? I don't know if we actually get the origin of the Baron or have anything to do with the swastika. So it could be considered a little bit of bait and switch, but it certainly is a very dynamic cover. And again, we've talked about the themes of this, like yellow is clearly the predominant color on this one. We've talked about other predominant colors that we've seen on these, on this set of covers. Yeah. For a while, it seemed like the, uh, the, the pink vat of color was overflowing. So we got yes. a lot of pink. <laughs> now it seems like yellow. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a good striking cover, like you said. It's just that you know, I think uh, with the way things shook out here with this title at the very end, half of what we were supposed to see, we didn't get to see, and that probably would have uh, been a little bit of a correlation to the cover inside if that wouldn't have happened. I agree, and I think throughout our review, I might say, I wonder if this is something that was meant to be or not meant to be. So I'm going to sort of like I'm going to spin my probability machine a couple of places as we talk. I cannot wait to hear it. <laughs> so <laughs> this is uh, Mark of the Beast, part three, past tense. And uh, we have our uh, story and script by Marv Wolfman. Pencils, Gene Colan, inks, Bob Smith. Colors, Michelle Wolfman and letters, Todd Klein. So pretty much the, the band's all back together again here for this, uh, you know, uh, penultimate issue. And then, uh, yeah, so it just says here on the Grand Comics database, uh, Katina drives the spirits away and saves Jack and Vanessa. She then forces the Baron to take a trip to the memory pit. So, all right, well, let's, let's, let's dive in head first here. So, you know, you open her up right to that first page again, Gene Colan, fantastic here with Bob Smith. You get this scene of the Baron, you know, and he's kind of uh, going back and forth with Katina and uh, uh, I can't remember. Were we calling him Gowan, Gowan, something like that? I think I was calling him Gowan, but whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're having a, a bit of a conversation here about, you know, needing help. And, of course, the Baron's asking for help. And uh, Katina and uh, her son are kind of being like, mm, we're not sure if we're going to help you, right? Yeah, and in particular, you know, uh, Gowan really is not having anything to do with the Baron, right? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, he is like, um, we're not going to do this. You've, you know, you've hurt my mother in the past. Why would we ever listen to you? Like, physically even confronting the Baron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if we mentioned it in our last chat or not. I uh, bad on me for not going back to listen, but uh, Katina, for those that you know haven't read this series, uh, she's you know she, she's disabled. She's in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and what's interesting is that she was just introduced, I think, in the last issue. She mm -hmm. plays a she and Gowan play a huge role in these last two issues. So that's one of the things that I wonder, like, were they always going to play this bigger role or not? But she's in a wheelchair. She certainly has what I would describe as the most obvious superpower amongst uh, anybody that we've sort of seen here. She she like is a true comic book sort of sorceress, as we'll see. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, I was just I thought to myself, I wonder if, you know, Marv. When writing this story, thought to himself, you know, like he wanted to specifically have someone with a disability in here just to give them some agency or something like, you know, because that's not something you really saw in comics, right? Yeah. And, and you know, if you look back, right, um, I, I mean, again, this is 1983. Um, you know, there is, this is a pretty diverse cast. We have 
you know, she's in a wheelchair. Vanessa has mental health issues. There are a number of African-American um, characters in here. So this was pretty diverse for the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. You're not kidding for sure. But yeah, they're, they're, they're having this conversation where basically it's the Baron, you know, begging, you know, for their help and them questioning his motives because, you know, Usually if he's asking someone for help, it's uh, because he wants to use them for some other purpose or his own purpose. And he eventually, you know, breaks down and reveals why he really wants to save Vanessa, right? Yeah. And so this is one of those things. So on the top of page three, he kind of goes through her lineage and ends up saying, even though she was raised to Van Helsing, I had an affair with her mother. She's my daughter, which Mm -hmm. is crazy it certainly would explain why he was so involved with her in the first arc, right? He had been named her caretaker for a long time, was involved with her as, as sort of a guardian type person, even though he was, seemed to be a stranger. So this was a revelation that I thought like, hey, maybe in some ways it makes sense. Yeah, this what was did- a bit of a, yeah, this was a bit of a bombshell. I don't remember at any point during this series reading it thinking there was a relationship like that between the two of them. Right, I agree. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, don't worry, the bombshell is going to keep coming here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, he after he admits that, he then says, uh, uh, needless to say that when Madeline, who's uh, her mother, Vanessa's mother, and her husband decided to remain married, she learned that she was pregnant with Vanessa. And, you know, that's uh, that's really why I want to save her, because, you know, she's my daughter. And I thought, so if she was not your daughter, just somebody you knew, you'd be like, yeah, <laughs> just let her die, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And remember, Gowan is his son. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Although maybe that's a I'm sorry, maybe that's a if you want to erase that, because we learned that the next page. Right. Yeah. And the very next page, uh, he says, I don't like helping you, Baron, not after what you did to my mother, but I will. And perhaps uh, helping this daughter of yours, it will somehow ease the pain of me being your son. And, and that's a really good uh, set of panels. That whole page layout is pretty good there, isn't it? Yeah, I will tell you, if you look through this whole issue, um, it is very rare for it to be a series of rectangles and squares. Gene really uh, goes out of his way to do pretty interesting uh, page layouts. And this one in particular, because they're sort of go on and Katina are like fading away in the mist. And so the panels kind of like fall and become smaller as the mist gets bigger. So I thought that that was a good visual representation of that. Yeah, and they're almost like kind of trailing off too as the, you know, the, yeah. from left to right there is really, really neat. And of course, uh, you know, we don't know what Merlin is telepathically saying to the Baron here, but he's <laughs> questioning uh, the Baron and why he did that. And he's like, I had to tell them that story. They wouldn't have helped me if they had known the truth. And he's like, now come, I have another idea. And there's, you know, Merlin walking aside of him. But man, as soon as you uh, flip to that next uh, page, I love this is the second or third time we've seen this house that's on this cliff. And it yeah. looks incredible again. Can I can I ask you one question about the prior page before we get into it? Sure. Yeah, yeah. When he says, I had to tell them that story, do you think that means he was lying about Vanessa being his daughter and he was like trying to con them into helping? Um, I took it to mean that he he had to tell them like the truth because oh, otherwise right. they would have seen through his BS. But it could be either way. Yeah, because I read it and I was like, wow, like there's this bombshell that he's Vanessa's dad. And then the next page, it's like, wow, there's another bombshell. He was lying. But now that I see the way you read it, I suppose that it could be that. He knew that they would be able to see through him. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if DC has ever clarified that or not. I know there was a a later series, and I think it's actually on the app, and I have the app. So I'm definitely going to read it at some point. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll see if they clarify that anywhere. Cool. 
But yeah, wow, yeah, next page, like I said, a crazy uh, uh, clifftop mansion there, and then uh, Vanessa <laughs> and her uh, would-be uh, <laughs> lover here, Jack, getting the crap choked out of them by these ghosts. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a great shot because it's looking down on them as they are about to be thrown off of the balcony over the cliff. So so it really is a great shot by Gene. And I love Katina. She looks over and says, spirits, turn to me, face your destroyer. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. awesome. Amazing. She's, yeah, she's 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 a B.A. I love it. And then uh, uh, Gawan says, mother, they're coming at us. And she says, let them stand back. <laughs> like she is not even afraid or scared at all. And she says, your concern is touching but misplaced. My inner demons will protect me and destroy them as they do. So what do you make of that panel there where she says that? Yeah, this is probably, you know, uh, when we've talked about these reviews, I've always said, like, what page would I want to own if I would own a page? It's either this one or the next, because, you know, she's sitting there with her mouth open and her arm out. And then these like ethereal looking yellow demons are sort of like coming out of her mouth. It's really striking and kind of scary. Yeah, it's really neat. I, I bet the pencil work and, you know, pencils and inks without the colors probably looked even better. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of reminiscent of when we saw this stuff manifest out of Vanessa, but it's very clear that Katina is in control where Vanessa was not. Yeah, and then she, like, floats up out of her wheelchair, and these little demons start attacking these ghosts. I mean, they're ghosts of those, you know, former uh, residents of the house, I believe, and they get inside them, and there's an image on the page, bottom of page seven there, where there's a demon that gets inside this ghost and then comes out through his like mouth almost or chest it looks like it makes him explode really neat yeah yeah it's like it grows inside him until he like the ghost can't contain it anymore and then it just gets ripped apart and and so that is like really cool like oh ghosts are fighting okay i'll summon demons right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool and then uh you know after that one gets uh killed there it looks like only the one uh, the other ones flee. They take off. And she says, or thinks, uh, their time will come. They know. But another day. <laughs> I like yeah. that. They're like, yeah, we might be dead already, but we're getting out of here. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, you know, it's like it's like you said, first of all, she's a complete badass in this, right? Um, mm -hmm. But it, it's very clear. This is like superpowers, right? Like, I can mm -hmm. float. I can fly. I can, like, disappear in ether. I can... I can, you know, she's like a, you know, like a Zatanna type of person, right? She's really yeah. manifesting powers that way. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Jack and uh, Vanessa are there and, you know, they're like, you risked your life to save us. And she's like, my dear Vanessa, I simply did what had to be done. And, and then uh, Gowan says, good luck, children. Go away from this place and never return. <laughs> Jack says, believe us, lady, <laughs> we won't. And you OK? And I think so, honey. And they're like grabbing onto each other and. Man, final panel on uh, page eight there. Really neat shot of uh, the Baron's house. Really cool there with the moon in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll just say, again, spoilers, we're going to talk about both of these issues. That's the last we see of Jack and Vanessa, right? So mm -hmm. so we don't see them the rest of this series. And so that's kind of like a weird ending. There was no, like, like goodbye to us as readers. We've gotten to know this, these characters. And so this is one of those things like, huh, I wonder if that was going, if they were going to come back. Um, if Marv had more story um, and it just kind of ends awkwardly. Um, uh, anyways, I just liked, I grew to like the Vanessa character very much. And so like when I read the last, you know, the last issue and a half, I was like, oh, I guess that was it. She, she got rescued and left. So. 
Yeah, I I do not envy Marv Wolfman or anyone else yeah. that, you know, gets tapped on the shoulder and told, oh, by the way, 14's it, even though you thought this was going on for, you know, 20, 30, whatever yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. But, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I like how uh, then we go back to, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but the guy that eventually, that uh, initially had the house and was uh, asking for the Baron's help. Uh, what was his name? Um, Mr. Carter. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he's a, a bit of a mummy here. His face is all wrapped up. And then he says, uh, don't mince words with me, Baron. I hired you to get rid of the ghosts haunting my house. Did you succeed or did you fail? And he goes, it is not that simple, Mr. Carter. Surely the image branded onto your forehead showed that. Those were ordinary. No, those were not ordinary ghosts my night force dealt with, sir. And he goes, and you failed. Damn it, man. I, God, my head, it's on fire. And, you know, the, the, the bandages, uh, seem like they're coming off there but then all of a sudden the, the guy's like completely engulfed in flames yeah it's really crazy right we had seen uh in the last issue remember he would say things like if i put makeup on the scar that says 666 on my forehead it would all burn and melt away but this is he just gets immolated he just like erupts in flame and they're psychic flames so so they can't even be doused they just have to watch this guy burn to death yeah, it's nasty, and the you know the Baron tries to put the flames out with, you know I don't know if that's a, his cape there or what, and it, like you said, it doesn't have any effect because it's not like, like a fire that you can put out by you know uh, stopping the oxygen, and uh, the wife is there like do something you can't let him die, and he goes Mrs. Carter, Harriet, I wish I could help, I dearly wish I could, but it's much too late, and you just you know see this skull there on yeah. page eleven burning, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because in that first panel, it's like it's mostly bone, but you can still see like some remnants of skin and stuff. Uh, and the eyeball is obviously Ooh. still intact. And then that sort of like melts away. It's pretty gross. Yeah, that is pretty nasty. And again, this is, you know, a comic from 1983 approved by the Comics Code. Yeah. There's no, no like, hey, warning for mature readers. Nothing on this. It's just here it is. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And then the Baron kind of like hugs onto her and or she hugs onto him. And he's like, uh, she says, I don't understand any of this Baron. And he goes, please, Mrs. Carter, don't look. Your ghosts are mocking us, sh showing how powerful they are, letting us know they can't be slain. And then you again see that image of that crazy beast, right? Yeah, the seven headed dragon that we saw in the last couple of issues which were all of those like evil businessmen who could merge together into that monster. Yeah. And then you just have nothing but a pile of bones laying there. And, you know, the Baron basically, I don't want to say he admits defeat, but he admits that, you know, he, he can't stop like those ghosts, like whatever's going on with them. Yeah. And it's cool because you get this line, you know, this was one of my favorite lines from the thing. He says, I've been an ambassador to an endless succession of emperors, warriors, and barbarians. I've seen power used, abused, controlled, wielded, and manipulated by experts whose sadism would repulse Dasad himself. But what lives in your home uh, and killed your husband with the smallest of energy is beyond my scope. And so that just kind of shows, like, we know that it, throughout time he has been, like, you know, involved with people who are good and people who are probably not so good. And, and I think that line kind of, again, sort of lets you know he's kind of morally gray in some ways. Or he's mm -hmm. willing to bend the rules for the greater good. Yeah, for sure. Because the first thing I thought of when, you know, the skull up there at the top of the page was burning and she's like, you know, crying and he's like holding her. I thought, is he doing that because he actually cares or is he doing this to try to recruit her? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we've seen that, too. So, 
Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the green mystery turns and Katina and Gawan are back. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of like give a little report and say, uh, uh, she says, Baron, we won. We expelled the ghosts. And he says, no, Katina, they appeared here. They killed Thomas Carter. You chased them from Carter's home, but they have not given up. They challenged me, Katina, and I can't possibly defeat them. And then he kind of like, you know, loses it a bit here at the bottom of the page, right? Yeah, yeah. And we have seen him be sort of like a cocky SOB throughout this this mm-hmm. um, series. And then here he's like, you know, he's got his hands in front of his face and he's like, God help me. It's useless. I cannot succeed. It's kind of like the first time that we've seen him, you know, appear this weak or um, weak might not be the wrong word, like concerned that he's just like not you know, in complete control. Yeah. Usually he's pretty sure of himself or at least sure that he can get away or get out of any situation. And that's obviously not the case here, but yeah, Gawan grabs him and says, no, you aren't going to slink off into some dark corner. You aren't going to abrogate your responsibilities. And he says, let go of me. You oaf. I thought, wow, that's how you talk to your kid. Yeah. These two kind of go back and forth. These two issues. Uh, mm-hmm. it's very clear they kind of don't like each other. <laughs> yeah, it's probably better that he wasn't in his life. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he goes, he does apologize here, though, as he looks like he's weeping, uh, the Baron, and he says, you know, he, he's sorry about it, right? Yeah, you know, um, he, he's like, maybe it's time that somebody else tried to do this because I, I'm not qualified anymore. I can't be the head of the Night Force, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he starts kind of wallowing in some self-pity here. And then all of a sudden, Katina, uh, she rises above her chair again in the green, uh, you know, I almost say like fog, mist, some kind of like ethereal stuff is like emanating all over her. And she says, you will return with me to the temple. And he says, no, I'm not going back there. And she goes, you will. You will now come. And, the, you know, he doesn't have a choice in it. And they, they disappear, right? Yeah, and it's pretty crazy because, first of all, Gowan is like, anytime those two get together, like, their chemistry is too much, right? She's like, you know, she'll lose her heart to him again. What does she see in him? But they leave Gowan in the mansion. They just leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you flip to the next page there, and they're in front of a temple with this crazy, uh, I don't know, what kind of an animal's head is on the top of it? Yeah, like, <laughs> like a goat head or an antelope, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and she's flying up towards the entrance, and he's on the ground, and she says, it is still magnificent, isn't it, Baron? And he goes, if you like ziggurats, my taste runs to more comfortable quarters. No elevator, no escalator. You would have thought the ones who built this would have jerry-rigged something to help a tired old soul reach the top. (laughs) Yeah, too funny. Now Now, I have to ask you, we have been led to believe in earlier issues that he can't leave the house or something bad will happen, right? Like, he never leaves. And so here he just gets teleported in what looks to be, I don't know, South America or something like that. Do you think it's a different time? Or do you think it's the present? And because it's this place where obviously we're going to learn he sort of, like, learned his skills that he can survive there? Or do you think that whole thing about not leaving the house was a bluff? You know, that's a good question. I I, I could see it both ways because he... He was a good manipulator and a good liar, so he could have yeah. been blowing smoke about that. Or it could be, yeah, like because this is the place where you know he obtained his like occult power or whatever you want to call it. Maybe that you know makes it you know kind of like a, a get out of jail free card. <laughs> yeah, it's never explained, and so this is again one of those things that I wonder if like there was going to be more to this that he just couldn't say. 
And I love how he's going up the steps and she flies up there. It's great. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, yeah. <laughs> she, she has a disability and she's in a wheelchair, but she can make herself fly up to the top. And he's this, you know, obviously very old gentleman, even though he doesn't yes. look super old. And he has to climb up it step by step. And he says, Katina, I wish to return to my home. I still have some work to complete before I'm done. Which, again, another interesting statement yeah. with how close we are to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she says, you're going through the portal. And he goes, it won't work. And uh, it affected you greatly the last time we were here. And then we see the inside of this temple, right? Kind of an Egyptian almost looking theme. Yeah, it's very, very strange. It's because uh, there are a number of folks here in odd, um, like uh, what seems to be like ornamental dress and mm-hmm. this big pit in the middle with, again, pink flame in it. Um, and, you know, it, it's sunken. So it reminds me sort of like, you know, we've seen stuff like this before in this, in this comic, but I would agree. It kind of has like an Egyptian or maybe an Incan feel to it. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe that too. Incan, Mayan, something like that. I didn't even notice until right now though, that the, that first top panel on the right, there's the, the little guy's face is sticking out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Exactly. Exactly. It's like an ornamental headdress or something. Yeah, I just assumed, oh, his face was inside that skull or whatever it is. But no, nope, there's his little face peeking out right underneath it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, then uh, the Baron says, more stairs. Lord, have mercy on calloused feet. And then the guy uh, says, Winters, it has been long. Descend. And <laughs> he falls down to his knees and says, what am I doing? This is futile. I've spent my life wasting my life. No more. And he tries to kind of run away. And then uh, all of a sudden... Uh, it looks like what's his name is there the the son yeah. right go on is there and so i i took a look back and so to make sure like was i wrong like two pages before he's smashing a lamp in the mansion saying mm-hmm. like you know i can't like and it appears like he has been left behind but now he's there and uh is saying you know your my mother is foolish but you have to go through with this this mind journey that's what you will do yeah, the Baron starts pounding on his chest. Damn you, go on, leave me yeah. alone. I'm leaving. And then he said, he, Gawan says, I said, no, you are entering the memory pit. You have no other destination. And yeah. here we go. Um, we go from, you know, them being fully clothed to buck naked. <laughs> yes, unable to fight, the Baron sheds his clothing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in pretty darn good shape. I'll give him that for being a yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty ripped. And uh, the two of them, like I said, uh, naked as the day they were born, just jump into this pit. And then it's just a, a solid pink background. And the two of them uh, at one point, and then it shows them really like diving all the way in. And there's a panel that's real. It almost looks like, I don't want to say water, but it's a, it's an interesting panel. What do you think of that panel there at the bottom 18? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it seemed for me, I thought it was almost like they're being like stretched in a way, like they're like going through like some sort of like warp of some sort, but -hmm. certainly on the next page, it does appear to be like water of some sort. They look like they're sort of swimming. Yeah. And then they finally start swimming towards, I don't know, the the bottom or the center of this thing or whatever. And we see this uh, almost like a, it looks like a sun almost with this, uh, red kind of squiggly lines in there. Maybe it looks like a brain of some sort. And Katina says, there, Baron. And he says, there's still time to forget this, Katina. It won't do any good. And she says, I think it will. And then he gets the living crap zapped out of him. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I just have to say, there are a couple of of things about the wording here. So, you know, as they're going there, he says, 
um, nothing is worth living through that agony a second time. We know this is called the memory pit. So it's probably mm -hmm. that he's going to relive some moment of his life. And then I agree with you. It looks like a brain and she calls it a cortex, which is a word that is used for brains. So, mm -hmm. so I was wondering if that word was pretty specific, but he does, he gets blasted. And then all of a sudden he is reliving what appears to be his origin on page 20. Yeah. You see him in this like blue robe and, sandals and there's probably what at least half a dozen maybe almost close to a dozen of these other like yeah students i guess you would call them uh with these giant tomes reading out of them and uh he, he says or the the caption box says it is as large as a world floating in this ethereal sky like some glittering gem but this is no world no ordinary planet this is the universal mind the central logic that empowers all logic it encompasses all time all knowledge all memory the Baron sees his class, all those others he was once like. He remembers the hours of study, remembers his drifting thoughts to the one who sat beside him. And then we do see a younger version of him, you know, really good looking guy, full head of nice, you know, brown hair. And then a beautiful uh, woman sitting next to him with uh, black hair, right? That's right. So there it is, him and Katina in whatever this is. And they don't really like that's about the best explanation you get of whatever this is supposed to be. Um, so mm -hmm. people in the universal mind studying ultimate logic, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's interesting. And like we said, I, I'm sure maybe there was, uh, it was way more in depth than this, but this, this is all we get. And you flip to the next page and it says here, memory is a sphere. His thoughts wrapped about him before him, atop him, beside him, below him. He remembers time flowing in all directions. He remembers the past and the future. He remembers the people and the places, but above all, he remembers Katina and it shows them looking at each other and then embracing and kissing. And it's interesting about that uh, spherical kind of uh, uh, piece at the top there, right, where it looks like there's Abraham Lincoln and I don't know who else, a lot of other like historical figures there, right? Yeah, it looks like Abraham Lincoln, no doubt. It could be George Washington. It could be Cleopatra. The the one that's sort of like right next to Abe Lincoln on the left and sort of the purple robe looks like Marlon Brando, who played Mark Anthony in a film version of Julius Caesar. So I was like, is that supposed to be who that is? Um, but it is. It looks like there's a Viking there and a Roman soldier. So it is people like throughout time. Yeah, basically, I guess kind of showing how old he really is that he saw all these things. But yeah, we uh, we get that. And <laughs> so, you know, they go from kissing, but then all of a sudden it's kind of like a scene where we're still seeing his younger self and then he's embracing Katina. And, you know, again, they're naked. And this guy in this wacky suit of armor uh, comes in with some kind of like ray gun and blasts the two of them. And it, it kind of like separates them, right? Yeah, this is where I kind of lost it because it's like you say, there's the memory of him and Katina. There's actually him and Katina, right? And so, so mm -hmm. like the present day version. And I think the one getting blasted is the present day because they're naked. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and this is where I think it's crazy because there is no explanation about any of this. And everything has felt very mystical. And this guy seems very Omega Men- you know, mystery in space. So I was like, I have no idea what he was thinking of with this, but I guess I got to roll with it. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe Marv, you know, once they said this was, you know, going to be it with 14, 
did he just cut out what he already had or did he do a rewrite? Because this 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 spaceman here with the gun, just the, the ray gun, just doesn't feel right. No, it absolutely does not feel right. And, you know, um, it says, uh, you know, the images end, the memories persist, even as the cerebral cortex forces them away. So they're being pushed out of the memory pit back to reality. But this guy has followed them. And what's a pretty good end splash page, except... It just doesn't feel right. He almost looks like the guardian uh, um, uh, or the guardsman from Marvel, which was like almost a green Iron Man looking guy. Oh, yeah. Yep. I do remember that. Yeah. And, and yeah, it is a good splash page here at the end with, you know, this the guy with his you know, laser gun and all the pink and swirling effects and everything like that. And uh, it says next, the final conflict. And I love how uh, Gene uh, and Bob Smith, you know, it's, you know, there's the Baron and he's like full frontal here, but they have a, a, a shadow over his wang there. So we don't have to go <laughs> X-rated. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird. You know what I mean? Like we said, it, it's, it's tough to get through this just simply because, you know, you, we're, we're just not sure what, what was, if there was a rewrite, if this is how it was and it just got like condensed and th- some things got cut out and what did get cut out and. Oh, yeah, it's just uh, it, may, it can drive you nutty if you sit here and just keep thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to point out one thing that I didn't mention earlier, which is earlier in this in this very issue, there's a shot of the Baron sitting in a chair holding his cane. And it's, again, just a big close up of his feet, which is, again, we've seen a big close up of the feet of who we think is the bad guy. And the last time we recorded, I was like, I wonder if the bad guy is actually like Baron Winters from another timeline or something, because it's too coincidental for we us to keep seeing this shot. Um, and so that's the thing that I just want to, like, if I ever see Marv Wolfman in a, at a convention again, I'm going to ask him, was Batman <laughs> supposed to be the good guy and the bad guy in Night Force? This is a comic that's almost 50 years old, and he's probably almost 80. He's going to be like, why are you asking me this question? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I still I, think I might. Yeah, and I could hear him saying, I still might write that story, so I can't tell you. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. he's still working. Like yeah, because yeah, he's still working to the day. So I could see him saying that and it being true. Oh, man. But I hope he has it written down somewhere that, you know, even if, uh, uh, God forbid, knock on wood, he would pass away at some point in time. It's like, I really need to know that if they'd release like the, the, the Marv memoirs or something. <laughs> mm, but all right. Well, why don't we dive into the final fear fraught issue of <laughs> night force number 14 here and this is cover dated september 1983 and it's back to uh, gene colin and bob smith here so uh, uh how do you describe this cover here yeah so um again like i don't want to keep uh, ranking against this so it's it's predominantly brown so that's good we've had a very clear like thematic approach to these covers um except for this blue dragon looking thing but the thing that gets me about this is that it's Katina and Gowan on the cover, not the Baron, not Vanessa, not Jack, right? So mm-hmm. the last issue are characters that we barely know. So I'm sort of like, it kind of, like, the cover itself is great because she's shooting beams at it, and he looks like he's casting a spell, and there's this huge dragon breathing fire. It's beautiful. But as a last issue for this title, given the characters that we've come to know, I was sort of like, boy, none of the characters we really know are on it. So I'm kind of of two minds. Beautiful, though. What do you think? Yeah, it looks great. And if this would have even went to issue 15, 
this would have been a great 14. I, yeah. I, I would have no problem with that. And 15 could have been, you know, the Baron and, and, you know, laying, you know, prone somewhere as if he might be dead or something like you, you, you could have done anything there, but yeah, this would have been a good next to last, uh, issue like a uh, cover. Agreed. And they didn't get Gawan's uh, colors right there. He's just all in white here. And it's just like, <laughs> wait a minute, that's not what he's wearing, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. we don't need, don't need to parse hairs here. But, um, so yeah, this one just says, uh, Baron Winters, Katina and Gawan defeat the evil that has been haunting a mansion. So, yeah, let's uh, let's jump in here. So again, you flip to that very first page, and it picks up exactly where we left off with this uh, Mister Guardian guy or whatever he is with his gloves and helmet and uh, ray gun blasting at the two naked people. Yeah, it's just so strange, Billy. I just like every time I read, I, like, because I've read this a couple of times to prepare for this. I'm like, what is this science fiction guy doing in this horror book? Like, he's got a laser gun. I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, all right, I guess I just have to move on. I, uh, but it's like you say, it's it's a well-composed page. They're butt naked, even though this is a, <laughs> a code-approved book, uh, and this guy's just firing away at them. Yeah, I just think to myself, oh, why couldn't instead of they use this this guy with this laser gun – why couldn't you just make some kind of other like, you know, magical supernatural type monster to, to you know, carry this out? Because basically what he says is the sins of the past cannot be forgotten or forgiven. You were both forbidden to fall in love or disobeying the rules. You must perish. And it's like, OK, if they were going to some crazy occult school together and one of the rules was you can't, you know, hook up with anybody else there. I, I totally get it. I understand that. That makes sense. But this guy just doesn't make sense. This guy just doesn't make sense. Mm, and then he said, <laughs> the Baron says to him, would it help any if we told you that we can't stand the sight of each other? <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that. That's that, that's pretty good. And apparently it doesn't matter because he keeps blasting them. <laughs> yeah. And then what happens here? How do they get how do they get out of this jam? Well, this is where I think I'm going to ask you a question. So Gowan shows up because now, again, they're out of the memory pit. They're back in real life. And Gowan basically shows up. And just, like, body slams the guy into the memory pit so that he, like, disappears again, I guess. Yeah, he just full-on goes right over. Well, he uses, like, uh, I, I don't know. It looks like he, it looks to me like this blast from the, uh, the, 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 whatever you want to call this crazy science fiction guy with his ray gun. He blasts Gowan, and it doesn't affect him at all. Like, he just yeah. walks right through it and then goes over and picks him up, like, and gorilla presses him and throws him down into the pit. Yeah, so this was my question for you. Do you think that Gowan has, like, a type of shield in that second panel that the blast sort of, like, you know, like, it's almost like when phasers hit the shield on the Enterprise and you kind of see, like, the bubble? Or do you think he just takes it and is invulnerable? You see, I'm not sure, but there is some of that green stuff around him, and, like, it almost looks like the, the medallion he has is glowing a little bit, so... yeah. Yeah, maybe he's got some kind of, you know, supernatural, you know, you know force shield here that is stopping it because the blast looks like it hits either him or this force field and then just goes in every direction like you know splatters yeah, exactly yeah that's a that's a wild scene there again it's this sci-fi guy's insane and then he just comes in and picks him up and throws him in a hole that's about as insane too yeah and then that's it we never hear from it again so <laughs> like this guy shows up for three pages and is gone so. yeah and then uh, Katina, she uh, starts uh, kind of getting pissed off at Gawan because he won't leave the Baron alone. Like he keeps, you know, uh, you know, like kind of mocking him and just, you know, verbally abusing him. And she says, enough, Gawan. I was the one who made the Baron love me. And remember, he is your father. Show respect for him. And he says, Gawan, 
I live with that shame my every waking hour. I was like, wow. Yeah. There is no love lost between those two. Even though they're father and son, they do not like each other. So no, and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I, I get it. The guy's kind of a sleaze bag, but it's like, you know, your dad could be Jeffrey Dahmer, dude. Like it could be worse. Yes, I, I agree <laughs> with you. I agree. <laughs> and he says, I do not give my respect freely. One must earn it. And I do like that middle. Well, I don't know if you call it the middle panel. It's kind of like on page three there. There's like a, a really big image. That's almost the entire uh, yeah. part of the page. And then there's an inset image at the top and two at the bottom. Right. Yeah. Yeah, great page layout by Gene here. Yeah, I really like that. And they're kind of following Katina, who's in her, like, spectral kind of form, all surrounded with, like, that green, whatever that is, uh, mystical energy. And they're, like, walking through, like, a, uh, like you said, like some kind of warp, it almost looks like, uh, going back to, you know, the mansion. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question. I'm sorry, but I have a lot of questions about these. (laughs) What do you think this whole trip to the memory pit was supposed to accomplish because it didn't give them any information about Alphys Omega, the bad guy, or this demon or anything like that. It was literally like, we're going to go there, we're going to show you a snippet of his origin, and then we're going to go back. Like, I don't know if it progressed the story that we're dealing with. And so, again, I just think this is one of those things that Marv was like, I have to give an origin. This might not be the one that I wanted to do, but I'll at least touch upon some of the ideas. Yeah, I think really Katina is Marv Wolfman. And she was like, we have to go to the memory pit. Why do yeah. we have to do that? So the readers can see some of Baron's background. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was sort of saying like, what a strange side trip to do. I don't know if it did anything, but all right, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't really progress the uh, plot at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they got to fly around naked and fight a sci-fi guy with a laser blaster. So, hey, cool. That's right. And we learned that he got his training in the universal mind of ultimate logic, whatever that means. But (laughs) yeah, ultimate logic apparently means you're like, you know, sleazy and you'll do backhanded things and sneaky things. (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they they get back and he says, uh, this is the Baron speaking. Now, Katina, if you are done and she says, we aren't, you were hired to exercise that mansion in Maine. But the man who hired you is dead, slain by the biblical beast of hell. We will not be done until the beast and his ghosts are gone. So I like how, you know, the Baron, you know, and Gowan are like, you know, these like tough guys here. And they think they're so smart and so tough and they're going to figure a way out of everything. And she's the one to be like, yeah, no, we're going back there and we're going to take them down. Yeah. You know, it's almost like she recognizes this is the threat that has to get eliminated because it's too big a threat. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he says, uh, Gowan says, to the past where you he's like uh, follow you to where the baron says and Gowan says to the past of course you first met the beast in the early 1930s that is where we will finish him off we will find it in the past while mother slays it in the present time between us the beast will be doomed so that's an interesting theory that you have to defeat something in the past and the present to make it go away yes yes and i thought that that was pretty cool right because one of the things that is that has been very interesting about this is his ability to like uh, the barons that is to like pop in and out of time and use agents from in and out of time so like this is a threat in the present and in the past let's attack it both ways so definitely thought that was cool and i liked the fact that it was him and Gowan who clearly don't like each other are now like i guess we have to begrudgingly team up to sort of like defeat the bigger evil 
Yeah, that is really cool. I'm glad that they slammed them two together and said, yeah, you two go. I mean, obviously, Katina seems like the most powerful of the three anyway, so it does make sense to leave her in the present to deal with it and have them go in the past. Yeah. And then, yeah, they have a lot of back and forth, you know, a lot of banter still with the two of them. They can't let it go as they're uh, creeping around here in the past, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, at least at one point, Gawan says, you know, uh, I assume you despise. So Baron says to him, I assume you despise me. And he says, yeah, for once you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny how they really are going at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no love lost here. And it's one of those things where I wonder if Gowan is so hurt and feels like I wonder if there's no going back for him. Like even if the Baron did kind of turn over a new leaf and show affection to him and his mother and and kind of say he's sorry and apologize and all that stuff. I, I just I don't get the feeling that would even be enough, like nothing would ever be enough for him. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, obviously they fell in love while they were, you know, these acolytes and that was against the rules. Um, but what, like, what made them split, like, afterwards, and was there more to the story? But I agree with you. I think that, like, Gowan looks like he's about 30, right? Mm-hmm. He's probably lived 30 years of saying, like, that SOB father of mine ruined my mother's life. So I agree with you. This is not going to be an easy, like, oh, dad, let's go out get ice cream. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> this is the way he's going to feel forever. Yeah, and they go into this uh, building where, you know, one of these guys are that, you know, were from the the 1930s gang that were like like involved with the Nazis or whatever was going on in like that cult or whatever they were in. And yeah. they just bar- barge right into the office and the guy goes, you, you know, I can sense, you know, who are you? And they say, I want to know who is your leader. Where do I find this Alpha Omega? And he says, you are a fool. You should have destroyed me before I had time to change. For now, my black friend, the factor of surprise, is gone. Now, my friend, whoever you are, you shall die. And the guy turns into this insane-looking satanic demon. Yeah, and again, another great page, sort of like as he transforms at the top, it's like, again, toppling panels until he becomes really what looks to be like a dragon man of some sort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love how, you know, I think a lot of people might read this and not think of it this way, but... Uh, when the guy does say to him, you know, my black friend, that is yeah. probably something from somebody from the 30s probably would have said. <laughs> no, exactly right. If not something worse. So yeah. We should yeah. be glad that he just said that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like it's one of those things where, you know, obviously, you know, you don't uh, want to talk like that or read it if it's in the context of somebody just being, you know, racist or bigoted towards somebody else, but that's this, that's accurate to the time period this, you know, they're in right now. So I like that. I like when they write for the period where something's happening in. Yeah. Let's not forget this guy teamed up with Hitler, right? So (laughs) it's going to have a lot of issues with lots of different races and ethnic groups. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, neither of the guys in the room right now with this, uh, beast are blonde haired or blue eyed. So they're Correct. in big trouble. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in big trouble. But man, you turn the page and again, Gene, he shows this crazy demon creature and it like tail whips go on and like smashes him through a desk and into a wall. Yes. And, and remember we saw that these guys in the last thing were like, we can merge and become this huge kaiju, but this thing still looks like it's 10, 12 feet tall. And it says, we all possess the power, the strengths of Satan. 
So <laughs> it's really great. And that panel is very um, dynamic. You feel that tail whip and you feel him get thrown into that file cabinet. It looks really, it's, it's a great page by Gene. Yeah, they, this thing really starts to like kind of beat the crap out of him. Like it's it's getting to a point where I'm thinking to myself, um, uh, you know, I know you're not the the strongest guy in the world, Baron, but you're you're gonna have to do something here because Gawan's gonna die. He gets ripped open and everything, right? Yeah, he gets th- uh, thrown around the room, and there's a panel of this thing. It has like talons, like a dragon, and it, you just see it rip through his his shirt, and you see bleeding on his chest. It is, you know, just beating the tar out of him. Yeah, and then Gwan's on the floor at one point. And there's a pool of blood underneath him, but yeah. the the Baron uh, does eventually grow a set here, and he gets a piece of a, like a broken uh, desk or something, and stabs this uh, creature right in the back. Um, and I will say, it stab- he stabs him in the back, and it looks like it kind of laughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny, right? Um, because uh, one, I think it's cool that Gowan is like, you should flee and save yourself. So even though he hates the Baron, he's, you know, at least, you know, wants to protect life. But that last panel, it does look like that thing is just like, you know, you stabbed me with a splinter. Let me laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, Gowan, well, it grabs the Baron by the throat and he says, that was a foolish mistake, human. I cannot be so easily slain. The energies Alpha's Omega imparted to us make us nearly immortal, but I still feel the pain. I suffer the wound, and for that alone, I must make certain you die. But then Gowan, he swings a chair yeah. and hits it right in the back. And, I mean, I thought to myself, well, if stabbing it didn't kill it, what would a chair do? But I'm thinking, are they trying to say, like, that, you know, that piece of wood was still sticking in its back and he knocked it in further? Yeah, I have no idea because you don't really see exactly where he stabbed it. Um, there is a piece of wood that kind of is like floating, like maybe go on, like smash the chair and that's either the leg or the piece that was sticking in. But but I do like your idea that it drove it in deeper and made it a more grievous wound because that's the only explanation I can come up with for what happens next. Yeah, it starts laying down some smack talk on them and... Uh... The Baron says, thanks for trying, Gowan. It was a noble effort, though it's really a pity it didn't succeed. And then all of a sudden you get to the next page and the demon, you know, creature just falls over and dies. And yeah, the, it's... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just don't understand it. Now, at least on page 12, when we see it fall over and die, you see that wood sticking out of his back and you see like a trickle of blood. But just the page before he said... You know, the energies imparted to us make us nearly immortal. And so I'm just sitting there saying, like, I don't know if being like it can't make you that immortal. If just being stabbed with this thing can kill you this way. Yeah. Um, And like I said, it's bleeding and it's green blood, which is really gross looking. Yeah. (laughs) But it then just burns up into like a little pile of crap there with the, the, the thing sticking out. Yeah. It like disintegrates, basically. Mm-hmm. I thought, is this like a vampire thing? Did that thing get to its heart or something? I don't know. They just, again, I guess Marv didn't have time to even try to explain this. He just just had to do what he could. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I'm just sort of sitting there and I'm saying, like, it makes no sense that that this thing would die that easily, except we had to kill something in the past and kill something in the present. So that's mm-hmm. what we did. Yeah, and then they go walking out of the office, and uh, Gowan says... If I thought you were truly thus, the pity I feel for you would quickly turn to hatred. And this, the secretary says, is it 
over? What was that noise? And Gowan says, his companion. She must know what he has done. She says, what happened to my boss? Where is he? <laughs> Gowan, yeah. he tried to slay us. And she goes, no, no, that's impossible. I only worked here a few weeks, but he was a nice man. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's just so crazy. So like the secretary wanders in. And at first I was like, why is that even in the script? But we'll see. Uh, this isn't the last that we see of this woman. Yeah, and then the, a final parting shot here, almost of uh, another seaside cliff shot of the you know the mansion in Maine, and that is where Katina is. And this is definitely I like this part uh, more than uh, the previous, uh, as far as you know uh, the way the story went here. Yes, and and I am so happy that we get this scene because this is the send off that you want Gene Colan to get. These next pages are just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she's sitting in the middle of the, the house and she has these two huge candles next to her and she's sitting there kind of like almost like in a yoga position, like, you know, uh, meditating. And she then, uh, you know, her like astral form, you know, comes out of the top and yeah, starts searching through the house and it runs right into, uh, you know, these uh, demonic uh, ghosts that, you know, were uh, inhabiting the house, right? Yeah, it, she's like, these are the guys that helped finance, you know, Hitler's rise to power. Um and they they did so with uh, for Alphys Omega. They had done so for evil, um, and so she's going to stop them. And it's really a like great panels, like that page fourteen where we see her astral self flying, and then we sort of see these like just get the hint of what these ghosts look like with like a light shining behind them. Mm -hmm. Like that's really a beautiful page. Yeah, that panel's wild there with that light behind them. That first one looks like a some kind of monster. Yeah, yeah. I just think, like, again, if I had to pick a page to buy, it would be this one because it's just great. Yeah, really, really cool. But then, uh, uh, you know, she really has this crazy battle with them. And then uh, I, I guess we get to see uh, uh, the this Alphas Omega character here. And he kind of uh, he kind of just looks like a guy with like dark hair. And a ponytail and some crazy looking robe with looks like it has something in the middle of it that almost looks like an eye. But yeah, how would you describe this guy here? Yeah, we've seen him before because we met him when they merged. And when we met him before, he had on like a turban and like a really big jacket. Um, but you only get a hint of him here because it's like an outline of him. And he seems larger than life and he's shooting eye beams. So uh, I think he looks um, appropriately... Uh, scary and demonic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this guy looks the part for sure. He he looks very scary and menacing, and you know she's doing her best to fight him. And it it seems like a pretty even fight here. That you know she seems to be holding her own, but then he seems to get a little bit of an edge. And um, it, there is a point where I think this is on page maybe seventeen now, where it, it looks like you know he's getting the better of her. And it says, perhaps, however, she would have been better off if she had at least listened to Omega's spell of blood. And it says, you'll not die alone, woman. He laughs. You will perish in the company of your loved ones. And then uh, we get a panel here of Gowan and the Baron and the secretary. <laughs> yes, yes. And those two pages before when she's like fighting him on really what seems to be like a, a like a mystical land astral plane, maybe. Yeah, like yeah. a nightmarish landscape, right? She lands on something and she's like, is it land? And then it's like, oh, it's probably flesh of something that she's landing on. And she's flying all around and he's become a dragon. It's it's really 
it's very, very trippy. It's, uh, uh, which is why I'm, I'm just glad that Gene got to do this because this is the weird stuff that you want to see in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then basically she comes running back, uh, to, you know, I- I'm assuming it's, uh, in Maine there where her, you know, physical body is, but it looks like her physical body now when the, the dragon, the Alpha Omega guy's chasing her, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the Baron, the Baron says, Katina, unless they change the state since I was last there, this certainly isn't Maine. And, uh, Gawan says, where are we mother? And she says, forget that Gawan. Use it. Do it now. Everything you've been trained for, do it. And he says, but I'm not fully trained, mother. This could kill me. And she said, if you don't, worlds may die. Do it. And there's a panel at the bottom of that page there, 18, where he almost looks like a skeleton. And he's using some kind of power. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And I guess between her then and him, you know, they're able to uh, defeat uh, the guy here, right? Yeah, I think that she has pulled them into whatever this nightmarish landscape is based upon the land that they're standing on, on page 18. Is yeah. it 18, right? And yeah. then you're right. It's almost like, uh, oh, my God, how am I going to kill this guy? I know. Like, Gawan has a secret power because it almost looks like a nuclear blast. He's got, like, the, the rings around him, almost like atomic power in the 50s. And mm-hmm. he just shoots Alpha Omega's with this, like, you know, like a Goku, you know, coming on the <laughs> almost, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, uh, so that's it. He just does it. And it could be all three of them and their power united because they're all in that sort of, like, atomic shell-looking thing. Yeah, that ring or whatever. And, yeah, it's just kaboom. And there's a, you know, a big explosion. And then you can see that Alpha Omega guy. He almost looks like he's consumed with some kind of fire, and it just starts shrinking and shrinking, and then just it's nothing but that kind of green supernatural mist that always is around Katina and go on there. And then that's it. And, you know, then it says <laughs> on page uh, 20, just says Maine. <laughs> yeah. Back at the house. And they're back at the, that house. Yeah. The secretary, what, what happened to me? Where were we? Please someone explain something, anything. And uh, the Baron has his hand on her and he says, we were in another dimension. She goes, dimension. What's a dimension? <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, yeah. Katina says another place of existence. Nothing to worry about, miss. And she goes, Alice, Alice Jones. And you have nothing to fear, Alice. Just walk into the mists. Everything will be fine. When Alpha's Omega vanished, the ghosts he created were destroyed. This house is no longer haunted. She goes, this house was haunted. Oh, God, what am I getting into? And is <laughs> the sound effect. And then, you know, a, a final shot here, I guess, of uh, the outside of the mansion here. Right. And they're back at the. At Baron Winter's place. Yeah. So this whole thing wrapped up pretty quickly. So, I, I mean, again, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, Billy, right? So uh-huh. there were seven of them that could unite to become a demon. There were seven guys that had power. They killed one guy in the past and Alpha Omega in the present. Does that mean there were five other guys out there that could turn into dragons? Or will we just say when Alpha Omega died, their power sort of, you know, dissipated? I guess we'll never know. But that was the first thing that I wondered when I read this. Yeah, I took it to mean that they destroyed him and he was fueling them. So yeah. that that they're just regular dudes now. Yep, I think that's probably true. So, but here mm-hmm. we are back in Georgetown last time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Katina and she says, Miss Jones, this is the year 1983 and this is the Baron's home. And uh, she says, 1983, that's impossible. And he goes, no, it may be ridiculous, but it's hardly impossible. I'm sorry we didn't pick a better year, but this is where I'm unfortunately stuck. Until I make up for a certain foolish mistake. 
And she says, okay, so maybe I believe you, but now can you take me back home? And he says, we could, Miss Jones, but there's nothing back there for you. I know your possible future, and if you remain in that time, well, it will be a sad one, sorry to say. But if, if, you're, if you stay here with me, fighting evil as they tell me I'm supposed to do, you could have a rich life. And I'm thinking to myself, look, man, there's no way anybody would be like, yeah, this is cool. Let's fight evil. I'll stay here. Nobody yeah. would do that. Yes, nobody would do that. <laughs> well, it's crazy. But I think he kind of talks her into it. Yeah, I don't know if he has powers of suggestion here or what, because he doesn't say anything that would convince me, but right. she does. She's like, I'll stay. And he goes, will you stay, please? And she said, I'm scared. He goes, I'll help see you through it. And then, you know, again, it's just this final page. And this is the one that's like I, I was in, you know, writing some notes down here and I just wrote down, uh, you know, what could have been, you know, <laughs> it's just right. The Baron says, let us toast your decision, my dear. I promise you won't regret it. And she goes, you will help me to adjust, won't you? He says, of course. And Katina says, correction, Baron, we will all help her. And he goes, what? And she uh, Katina says, we're staying to make certain Miss Jones here is safe and to make certain you never go back to being the louse you always been. <laughs> so, yeah. What about those last three panels there then on this page here? Yeah, I think it's so interesting because, again, it's very clear Marv had more to tell, right? More mm -hmm. to tell in this story and maybe, you know, what the next arc would be now that, you know, this isn't exactly a loving family, but they've been reunited, you know? So um, so I think, uh, I think it's a shame that we didn't get a little bit more. And, of course, we don't really know 100% his origin, and I don't know if we know the mistake that he's talking about, right? Even Gowan says you have much to atone for. So, mm -hmm. but, uh, but here we are, he goes, you know, whatever the future brings us, it won't be dull. Yeah. It's just, it's a very big, you know, what if, cause it ends with until we meet again. So yeah, it's kind of a shame because we know, you know, Marv at this point was like, Oh, the book's getting canceled. But I think he still thought at some point in the near future, they were going to end up having like, you know, quarterly books come out in the next year or the following years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a which, mini series every year or something like that. Yeah. Which never happened, sadly. You know, and I just I know he was going full throttle with Teen Titans, but I kind of feel like I wonder if he has any regrets that, you know, maybe he didn't push harder to do more with this title a year or two later because he could say, hey, you know, it's been a year or two. You know, maybe if there was some fan mail about it, asking for it and you know, maybe, you know, slowly start moving away from Teen Titans, which obviously was a big hit for them. But I just kind of feel like if you're writing a, a book that's a big hit and you, you're enjoying it, but you had this little side project that you weren't able to finish and you still had all these ideas floating around in your head, that would really gnaw at me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I it's right on the cusp of, like, the direct market, right? Like, this was mm -hmm. right when Omega Men was on Baxter paper and only going to comic book stores. And you yeah. can do things that said, like, for mature readers. And so I wonder if he thought, okay, we got this new standout. Now we'll do something that can be R-rated, right? And yeah. uh, I can really delve in. And then DC must have been like, it didn't sell. We're not going to give you another shot. Yeah, and I mean, not that DC did anything wrong by canceling the book, I guess, you know, if the sales yeah. weren't there, the sales weren't there. But I just feel like, you know, if I was a creator and I'm Marv and I still had all these stories to tell, it, it would have been nice to be able to like, well, hey, you know, I own this property. I'm going to go to Pacific Comics or some some other comic company that was around in the early mid 80s and 
and put it out through them. You know, it would have been nice to to at least have that option because I feel like one of those smaller companies would have jumped all over, you know, Marv Wolfman and Night Force. Yeah, and I even think about things that like, you know, you could imagine that he could say, I've got a great DC Comics Presents story to tell, Baron mm-hmm. Winters and Superman, right? Or I'm going to do a side plot in Teen Titans where Raven goes to see him, right? There were ways that he could have kind of kept these characters around, uh, but mm-hmm. I guess he didn't want to mix the too much. Yeah, I mean, heck, I would have said, uh, hey, Alan Moore, uh, how about we have, you know, the Night Force appear in Swamp Thing or something? No, exactly. And, you know, we do see the Baron in Swamp Thing number 50 by Alan Moore, which is probably right after Crisis. So maybe like 1986. But that's a three year gap. Yeah, that is. And man, I I need to I've I've read uh, pretty much all, if not all of uh, Alan Moore's run. And I don't remember that number one and number two. uh, I think to myself, oh, man. So it was like there a conversation had there or did, you know, uh, Alan Moore just say, well, it's one of DC's characters and I can do whatever I want with it and threw it in there. I'd love to know the story behind that. Yeah, I'll tell you, what the, you know, very quickly, you know, Swamp Thing is going into heaven to fight the big black thumb. Right? And mm-hmm. Constantine puts together a seance with Zatara, Zatanna, Sargon the Sorcerer, Mento, John Constantine and Baron Winters. And Baron Winters, they do it in the mansion. Wow. So, you should definitely look up Swamp Thing 50. Yeah, I'll definitely have to take a peek uh, in the trades I have just to even uh, read that one issue. I mean, hey, you know, you and I have talked about this before, about uh, talking some Alan Moore Swamp Thing down the road. And, you know, Paul Hicks and I are covering uh, the, the the stuff that's going on there right now with uh, before the saga of the Swamp Thing starts up. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have to dip into some Swamp Thing down the road, especially now that I know the Baron's in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he does at least survive in terms of being a DC character, but I don't think he's utilized that much. Yeah, that's a shame. Definitely a shame. So, all right. Well, wow. That wraps everything up here. Uh, you know, uh, we ended with this four issue, you know, story that probably was supposed to be six or eight issues long. Oh, God only knows how long, but you know, they had to jam it all into these, uh, last, well, really two issues, I guess, probably till he found out it was getting canceled, which, you know, like we said, is a shame. It was really I think this storyline really had a lot of potential if it would have been able to be played out. And, you know, we talked about that three issue one before that, too, with the crazy alien and stuff like that. That was pretty wild, too. Like, you know, it was a it's way different beat than the first uh, storyline. But I think overall as a series, there's some really, you know, strong material here. Some really, really good moments in this uh, this uh, series. And anybody that's out there, it's I'm pretty sure you can still get the trade here and there for a decent buck, too. So. If that trade's floating around out there, go grab it, right? Yeah, I have to say, it's really been a pleasure to revisit this with you, and and especially to read the back end, which I'll I'll be honest with you, these last four issues I've only, like, recently read. Um, And for one, throughout the art is spectacular. So even if you get it and don't even read the words and just look at the art, you should get it just for the Gene Coleman art. But I would say each one of these storylines has had different parts of it that has been quite interesting and certainly worth giving it a read. Yep, absolutely. Totally agree there. And uh, how about just overall in the series, uh, any of the covers jump out at you as like, you know, your favorite maybe? Um, There's the one that is um, Vanessa, like, 
uh, when she's imprisoned and she's on the ground looking up and there's the guy who remember who like has snakes come out of his face or his hands. Oh yeah. I think uh, that might be three or four. Yeah. And that one has always struck me as being like really powerful. That's like a really great image. Yeah. That's what, four. Yeah. What about you? For me, it would have to either be, and I, I really like uh, number one quite a bit, but I also like uh, number six, which is the one where it was the skull and the mouth was opened up. And in the, in the center of the mouth, you saw the cops cause they were coming after oh, the Baron. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that cover. That's that's probably my favorite uh, of the whole series. I and again, I do really like one as well. I think that really, if you're gonna see, you're in a comic shop and you see a number one issue and it has that that cover that number one has on it, I'm definitely buying that series. Yeah, agreed. But six looks great. Yeah, it's like a green background and like I said, the skull with the cops coming after the Baron yeah. and then you know his 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 leopards there or whatever you know he was. Uh, you know, I kind of uh, harassing the cops and stuff like that. That's that's probably my favorite. And yeah, definitely, I would say, you know, the first storyline is definitely the strongest. It, it definitely had the most highs and the, the fewest lows in that first storyline. But again, like we said, the other stories are fun, too. Yeah. It, you know, these are probably hanging out in dollar boxes and conventions. and You should just sort of, you know, pan for gold. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Get them, get them one way or the other. So, all right, my friend. Well, yeah, thanks for uh, joining me on this uh, journey here. This was a lot of fun uh, uh, getting through this series. Like I said, be before you and I started to talk about it, I had only basically just uh, skimmed through it, checked out some panels and some artwork and just a little bit here and there, not, not the whole book as far as dialogue. So this, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't thank you enough. It really has been a treat. Yep, this was great. So, all right, well, that is going to do it for us and uh, for uh, Night Force here. So uh, if anybody's uh, looking to find you out there, uh, where can they look? Uh, you can still find me on Twitter. I'm uh, at DrAnge70 there, and I run a comic book fan site called Supergirl Comic Box Commentary that does reviews of all things Supergirl, Superman, Legion of Superheroes, and occasionally DC events. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's... Uh, I always point people if they want to say, hey, you know, about newer comics, I always go to you and Mart to say, hey, follow these guys if you're looking for new DC comics. And if you want to know kind of a, a general opinion on them before you'd even buy, those are the places to go. <laughs> I love seeing what you guys write. Well, I can't thank you enough. So, OK. All right. That is going to do it. So uh, I uh, once again, thank you, uh, Ange. So this was a lot of fun and uh, we're going to get out of here and then I will uh, wrap up the show. Just when you thought it was safe to hear a podcast promo. JL made you do 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 brave and bold do 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 comic books do 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 JL made. JL May do 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 brave and the bold do 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 comic books do 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 JL May. JL mate do 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 brave and the bold do 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 comic books do 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 JL May JL May do 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 brave and bold do 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 comic books do 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 JL May the annual podcast crossover event celebrating the Justice League is back and we're covering the 2007 Brave and the Bold series that started with Mark Wade and George freaking Perez and ended with J Michael Straczynski. Throughout the month of May, participating podcasts will release special episodes on issues in the run. 
it all kicks off in the Overlooked Dark Knight podcast. Follow the event on social media using the hashtag JLMay2023. Coming this May. JL May do 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 Brave and the Bold do 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 Comic Books do 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 Mephisto. Hey! That it? Is that what you want? Things I do for this show. Okay, that's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Ange for being on the show. A uh, really good guest. Definitely check out his blog. You know, a really good superhero blog uh, about, you know, Supergirl, Superman, all the superhero uh, family uh, characters there, and Legion of Super Vloggers as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, check him out. He's really got some good stuff going on there. You know, still checking out the new uh, issues when they come out. Still, uh, you know, a, a Wednesday warrior. So, you know. Kudos to him for uh, still doing that, keeping the, the business going. And definitely uh, look down the road for some more stuff with him. We're going to find some more horror books to talk about. And he's definitely going to guest on The Brave and the Bob to talk about a crazy Supergirl <laughs> Bob Haney comic as well. So definitely keep an eye out for that. All right. Thanks for listening.